Hello. Hi. Welcome to Truly Fabulously Monstrous. A podcast about true crime and cryptids. I am half of your host, Hattie James. I am your other half of your host, Ace. Hi, Ace. Hi, Hattie. How are you today? It's been a whole week since we recorded. I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Had a pretty good week. My parents were visiting. So I took most of the week off from work except for like my night and one day that I felt bad taking off because it would have meant my department was left with only like one person (laughs) for the whole day. So yeah, I worked two days. My parents came out to visit. It was very nice. How are you? How's how's things on your end? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, it's like that, is it? <laughs> it's just been a, it's been a, uh, my, uh, the Harbinger has like at least three molars coming in at once. Oh, and those, and are, since, no, those are the no fun ones to come yeah, in. Because incisor, yeah, and well, the thing is incisors are like, there's one sharp point and that comes through and then boom, uh-huh. the tooth is through. With a molar, there's the four sharp points and then the whole like, convex bottom of the tooth still has to like rip through the gums uh-huh. that's the downside of being an omnivore you get you get those herbivore teeth that gotta come in yeah and those, those canines and incisors boom they come right out all the sharp uh, carnivore teeth you know hum nom nom and then all the herbivore teeth go i am also here all right we promised we would talk about the season three plan during the bonus episode have we made the decision for the season three if we did, I don't remember. <laughs> I know we picked the premiere date because we yes. did the first Tuesday of October. So yeah. October 5th, exactly 30 days from the day we are recording this. Uh, you will hear this before then because this is the bonus episode to let you know. But the first proper episode of season three will be October yes. 5th. That is the goal. That is, it is, that is yeah. the goal. <laughs> All right. I don't think we've come up with any other plan. We can tweet any other plans. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Twitter is for Twitter is for memes and updates. And Anchor now has a really neat like make a trailer option, so we Ooh. can always like make a once I have some editing, do like a season three trailer. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. And anchor with Anchor, like you can add like music and then stuff too, yes. right? Yep, you can. I remember I um I was listening because I listened to I listened to our podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It's something for me. It's, it's helping me get used to hearing the sound of my own voice. But like, I, I have that thing where sometimes Spotify doesn't always do this, but every now and then, if you have a queue set up of like other podcasts, sometimes when it gets to the end of your queue, it will loop to the very first episode of the first podcast you started with. Oh. And that happened to be our podcast. So all oh. of a sudden, like the pilot starts playing and I was like, oh, that's right. Hattie put in like music for the, for the pilot episode. There was Did like I? music in the beginning. Yeah. And then our like potato tin can voice started talking and I was like, we need to re-record oh, those. Yeah. We need to re-record those. <laughs> we should. I think you only did it for like the pilot and maybe the second episode and then we got distracted by other stuff. But I was like, oh, that was cool. Maybe we start um, to play again. <laughs> So should we get started since this is a bonus episode? Yes. Let's, so we should keep let's, it so. In this bonus episode, you're going to be telling me a, a, cr- a crime. Yes, I'm going to be telling you a crime. Yay. And I didn't want the bonus crime to be anything bummer. I've got a lot of like small crimes that I've done that not that I've personally done, but that I have <laughs> for this podcast. Um, no, I have a list of small crimes I'm committing. Yeah, well, not small, but like 
like I'll oh I want to do this and then there's not enough information right but they're all yes. bummers yeah they're all bummers like missing persons and like that's awful. the thing about crimes a lot of them tend to be real bummery so I thought long and hard about what I could do uh criminals yeah I could do like the full criminal but you kind of need to devote the discussion on their lives and all the crimes like what I did with um mall cut purse yes uh, and that that took a, that takes a while. That's not bonus episode material. So what about an individual crime? Because technically, a lot of things are illegal. It doesn't have to be a murder or a kidnapping or an assault or a robbery. It can just be a serious "what the fuck, my guy" thing. And boy, oh boy, did I find one! So I'm, I'm gonna let, allow me to set the scene for you. Set me the scene. Here's the scene. It's July twentieth, two thousand fourteen. You are an employee at a CVS pharmacy in Houston, Texas. Oh, no. It's 12 noon. Okay. Okay. I should note for the calendar, July 20th, 2014 was a Sunday. So uh, from my experience, that's a slow day for pharmacy workers. So it's a slow Sunday and your Houston CVS pharmacy. It's about 12 o'clock noon. And a man walks into the store. He goes straight to the pharmacy counter and picks up a prescription. And then he starts... Wandering the store a bit before being stop, uh, before stopping uh, near the candy display. You think, hmm, maybe he wants a chocolate bar for the road. I know that I personally, as, as Hattie James, when I pick up a prescription at CVS, I go to the candy thing and I'll pick up a, what is it called? A one grand bar. One or, grand, yeah. Or maybe I'll pick up one of those small things of Mike and Ike's. Um, I'll, I know, I'll go in and I'll pick up a, a Reese's Fast Break. Ooh, I love those. It's like a Snickers, but without all that caramel. Yeah. So, you know, it's because there's, their candy displays are so tempting. Those people at CVS know how to set up a candy display. They do display. a good job. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> even if you're just going to the pharmacy and not to the checkout, they have the displays like on the way between the checkout and the door so that you stop and you go, oh, I want one. And then you grab it and you, you just paid 40 bucks for your prescription because this is America. And now you're paying like five bucks for two candy bars because- <clears throat> They're just right there and it's so tempting. So, you know, this guy stopped by the candy display and the CVS employee is probably like, yes, he's going for that fast break. But instead, this man unzips his pants, exposes himself and urinates all over the candy display. Rude. That, then, sir, how, but what did the, I'm sorry, what did the candy ever do to you? That's just <laughs> mean is what that is. Well, he then zips himself back up casually walks out of the store and struts down the road am i a horrible monster if my second thought my first thought was how could you my second thought was well they are vacuum sealed (laughs) you still it's a health violation it is but i'm like i mean yeah you could rinse the i mean the packaging is still sealed yeah sorry i'm i'm a goblin If you want to personally pee on your own vacuum sealed candy, wash it off and then eat it, be my guest. But I don't want a stranger peeing on candy I'm going to eat. That's fair. Okay. So the CVS employee, naturally, immediately calls the cops. Also, yeah. It doesn't take long for the cops to find the man because this was um, all on the CVS security camera. And this, uh, this man happens to be a millionaire real estate tycoon named Robert Durst. Of the Manhattan Dursts, the oldest son of Seymour Durst and the brother of Douglas Durst, the latter heading the Durst organization since the passing of Seymour. Yep, I've recognized the name. Yeah. Have heard about him. 
Yeah. Now, since and all the heard, fun things he's done. <laughs> yeah. Since you've heard about him, you'll know that Robert Durst has a a record, a criminal you, you, record. You can call it that. Yeah. Yeah. For more than just urinating on candy, uh, which comes to light upon his arrest. Uh, however, to discuss his crimes in a bonus episode would be an injustice. So I promise to cover them in season three. So I'm letting you know right now. I will be talking about Robert Durst in season three. Fantastic. I'm, uh, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Although I will cover a bit of his personal life just to let you get a glimpse of just who, just who we, were, we are dealing with. So as I stated, Durst was the eldest of four children because he was, I said he was the eldest son. So eldest of four children. Uh, he was born April 12th, 1943 in Scarsdale, New York. His father, like I said, uh, was Seymour Durst, a real estate and business tycoon. Seymour had taken over the Durst organization after his father, who founded the organization, died in 1974. But prior to 1974, Seymour Durst was essentially heading the company. You know, okay. uh, Robert's mother was Bernice Herstein, a well-known American socialite. And when Robert was seven, his mother fell in the middle of the night from the family Scarsdale home to her death. Mm. She was 32 years old, and the death was under sus suspicious circumstances. They didn't know why she fell, if she killed herself, if she was pushed. Robert later claimed that his father had him watch her fall from a window when he was seven years um, old. If that's true, that's yeah. would yeah, that would uh, mess up a person for possibly life <laughs> the rest of the family refutes this claim his brother douglas who he has an awful relationship with swears that um this story was fabricated in order to pay sympathy on him for the crimes that i will be later talking about later on in the season douglas and robert had to undergo counseling for and i quote sibling rivalry <laughs> and i couldn't find anything about what the psychiatrist reported on douglas probably because he's not notorious um, <laughs> but the psychiatrist reported that robert had personality decomposition and possibly even schizophrenia which it, it does not make a person commit crimes necessarily like that's not no plenty but... of people have schizophrenia and are just like i am a person that has this thing that i treat and take care of and i'm a person and yeah. I don't use it as an excuse to go criming all over the place. Yeah. But anyway, so by the time he started Scarsdale High School, he was, he was considered a loner by all of his classmates, which pretty much sums up his adolescence. Oh. Everything I could find. There's a lot of information on this man on the internet and everything I could find about his adolescence says his classmates said he was a loner. <laughs> I was a loner and I didn't start criming all over the place with crimes. He went after high school to Lehigh University, where he was not only the manager of the campus newspaper, but also a member of the varsity lacrosse team. Oh, okay. Well-rounded. Yeah. And he completed college with a bachelor's in economics in 1965. And he had enrolled in the UCLA's doctorate program, but dropped out to return to New York and help work for the family business in about 1969. His father had really pressured him to use his, you know, bachelor's in economics to use his know-how in order to work for the family. The Durst organization, a family-run organization. I took over with my father's death and you will take over after mine, blah, blah, blah. Family um, business. Family business. Just a very affluent, very prestigious, very 
money, money family business, but a family business. Yes. Yeah. He started working for the family business and he was a real estate developer. At one point he was a property manager. He took a break around 1971 to open a health food store in Middlebury, Vermont. (laughs) But then his father like was like, no, come back to New York family business. So he went back and uh, around 1973 and continued to be a middle to upper level employee in this company. He was in charge of a lot of assets, a lot of buying and selling and flipping of properties, the management of residential apartment complexes. And in 1992, when his father's health began falling as the eldest with a degree in economics, it was kind of assumed he would take control of Durst organization as a head, or at least as a trustee, just like his father did when his grandfather's health began to fail. However, Douglas, his brother that he didn't get along with, was instead appointed to run the business, taking full control of the company after Seymour died in 1994. Didn't you say Robert was the oldest? Yep. Ouch. I will get into a little bit, um, when I talk about his crimes in season three, you, you, it'll paint a picture as to why they probably did not let him head the company. I'll just say, um, you remember Studio 54? Uh-huh. I mean, not personally, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was a frequent patron and attendee. Uh-huh. If it says anything about the kind of lifestyle he lived. A lot of marijuana, a lot of cocaine. Ah, cocaine. A good decision all around. Not really. Sarcasm. (laughs) I would just like to take this moment to point out, don't do cocaine. Don't do drugs. Don't do cocaine. You know what cocaine is for? Cocaine is for doing, like, like sinus surgery. That is what cocaine is for. It is for, like, the medical professionals to be like, gun numb these capillaries so this person doesn't bleed all over us while we're cauterizing their their nose or fixing their deviated septum or doing weird things in their sinuses. That's what cocaine is for. It should also be noted that uh, by the time 1992 when Douglas took over, mm-hmm. the first of the long list of very public scandal worthy, possibly involved in crime things had already happened and the family okay. of the person was not letting it go. Again, I will cover, I'm being very cryptic because I will cover it more right. when right. the season starts. Yeah, okay, All that right. makes sense then, that they were like, maybe you shouldn't be in charge. <laughs> yeah, um, so this caused a rift between Robert and the rest of the family. He left- I can't imagine their, why. <laughs> yeah, he left the organization. And eventually from 1994, he uh, when his father died, and it was clear like his father died, he did not become the- the the heir and take over his brother did his brother kicked him out of the company huge rick started so he sued for his share of the fortune which as the eldest brother of a billion dollar corporation was a lot the lawsuit took 12 years to be settled and in that time the durst organization was giving him uh two million dollars a year from a trust setup And then in 2006, when the lawsuit was settled, he was given a lump sum payment of $65 million for his share of the company. And given the fact that he devoted about 20 years to his family's real estate business, when the rift happened, that wasn't the end of his career. It's not like when his brother essentially booted him out, he was absolutely unemployed and no longer had any money. He continued to work in real estate until 2015, and he became a real real estate mogul. Right. A really successful one in his own right. 
But uh, anyway, let's go back to the original crime I was talking about. I've kind of rambled on about this. Right, right. Candy bar pissing. Yes. (laughs) Police recalled it didn't take long to find that it was Robert Durst, who then was 71 (laughs) years old. This is a 71-year-old man. He's just like, like that they like they recognized him in the CBS. They're like, oh, there's old Bobby Durst. What's my was, oh, God damn it, Bobby? They were, on the candy again. They were security camera. Uh, and so that, I think they were able to. That makes more sense. Yeah. That makes more epic, sense. Yeah. Uh, so he was apprehended. God damn it, Bobby. Uh, so when he was apprehended, his lawyer, whose name is Chip Lewis, and will come up a lot because um crime so chip lewis was contacted and the district attorney's office picks up uh, the criminal complaint filing so one source said that it was a class b criminal mischief charge (laughs) although another source said it was a class c criminal mischief charge either way he was charged for a misdemeanor so chip lewis released a statement saying and i quote mr durst expressed his apologies to cvs for this unfortunate medical mishap medical mishap would have been if he like pissed himself like oh oops i i had an accident and peed myself in the candy bar aisle not i whipped my dick out in the candy bar aisle and deliberately peed (laughs) on something like it's a medical mishap is when it like you accidentally oh no unless they were trying to claim because like i said he had mental health issues unless they were trying to use that as a crutch like he was not himself like he was going through a psych break i don't know what it was but all they said was it was a medical mishap Anyway, so to finish the quote, he compensated them for the damage done and appreciates their understanding. I'm sorry, we repaid them back. It was a medical mishap. Uh, but anyway, so he eventually pled no contest and he was fined $500 along with restitution, which according to his lawyer's statement, he had already paid. Okay. And that was it. That was it for this crime. <laughs> he saw no jail time. He was charged this multi-million dollar net worth dude uh was told to pay five hundred dollars plus restitution okay as kind of shitty as that is i do get it if it was like no one was hurt he paid like he paid for it i i know there's other stuff there's other stuff that you're going to talk about but like if it was just knowing the the facts that you presented if i like I would also be like, yeah, okay, I could see him getting away with just, like, a fine. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted that he wasn't gotten for indecent exposure. Also that, he probably, like, still, once again, a rich old man, he wouldn't, probably would not have seen jail time for that. Or if, like, even if he did, they, like, they probably would have did some, like, time served bullshit or something. Yeah, true. But, no, that's, that's my, uh, my little story. <laughs> Stay oh, tuned I'm... for more of him because oh boy, there's more of him. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Knowing yeah. what I know about this man, I'm very excited. So yeah, that's my story of the candy bar peeing bandit. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Ah, oh, excellent bonus episode. Very good. Da 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 da. <laughs> so stay tuned for season three. Yay, which will premiere October 5th. Yeah. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, stories that you want us to say, sweet nothings you want to type as if whispering into our ear, (laughs) you can email us at trulyfabulouslymonstrous at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram where we post in case you missed it, but uh, that's uh, trulyfabulouslymonstrous, one word. And uh, we also have a Twitter that is. The funnier of the social media. Um, Well, I mean, this is me uh, just 
making just roasting us both roasting both of us for the fact that we have no chill and can never keep anything short um so that's uh i run that that's a uh, tfab monster pod oh sometimes i reblog memes yes yay season three coming at you we'll be there we hope you will too bye, bye.